running from the light in the trophy room Thinking about the wind and the struggles too Will it ever be enough for me? Don't you know it's win or impending doom? Take you down just like a sonic boom Want to live on in your memory Is it right? Hello and welcome to Kinetic Quest episode 261. I am your host, Mike, now on Game Pass apps, and with me as always. 321 Viva Revolution, David McBurney, Family Master. Guest this week. Hey. And I am on every week now. I am Smoking Joe 86. No, you aren't. Also named Joe Hanley. I have many names, many aliases. I like how Wheels never actually said Wheels in his introduction. Yeah, you know. <laughs> they know the score. Uh, there was a bit of news since last week, which I haven't posted last week's episode yet because. Great job on top of the on top of the game. Is because since then everyone in my almost everyone in my house was sick. So, <laughs> so how many of you I have COVID? Distracted. Zero. That's Zaro. Bizarro. I don't know. Is it there was puking and then there was puking? That's not typical. It's not impossible. It's just not. Typical. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, it doesn't sound like Omicron. We've taken a bunch of tests, so. Good, good. It's all good. Okay, power cable go there. Now I need fuse. Need fusey. When you uh, asked if I was ready, I almost started singing. I am ready. I am ready. I am. I'm not understanding. Okay, moving on. Uh, I'm the one who usually breaks out into songs, so now I have to be the one to stop it because I'm a monster. All right, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna switch us right over to the surprise news of the weekend. Wow, Persona has been announced for another platform. It's not not the, the one I wanted. Not the Switch. Everything but the Switch for some reason. Yes. And, <laughs> well, there's still the chance that they're waiting on the next Nintendo Direct, but. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, yeah maybe uh, it's coming later. Yeah, the surprise appearance by Persona on the the Xbox presentation, which is getting uh, Persona Five Royal in October, and as part of a lot of or Golden and, and Persona Three yeah. Portable at a later date. Yes, which are also coming to um, PS Five and PS Four respectively. PS Five, PS Four, and Windows. Uh, which I guess people needed a more specific Windows information because I saw a bunch of people whining that it's not coming to Steam, but it was coming. To, I don't know. Yeah, it turns out it is coming to Steam. It's just not coming exclusively to Steam. Yeah. Stop crying. I, I hate. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hate. I hate you, PC gamers. And I'm sure the feeling is mutual. More than mutual. They wish to deliver a plague upon you. Yes. Did you run out of bullets? For those not watching the stream, Wheels is playing Resident Evil 7. Yes. And almost assuredly out of bullets. Yes. Always. 
Uh, I don't understand how you play like this. I don't know how you live like like this. Uh, let me think what other RPG-related nonsense was in uh, that stream. Um, was there anything else? There's some Obsidian game that's... Yeah, which interesting RPGs. Yeah. What was it called? Pentaman, something like that. Yeah. Pentiment. Pentiment. Uh, it looks like pseudo medieval styled artwork. Uh, seemingly very like people keep drawing comparisons to Disco Elysium, and I mean I hope so. <laughs> that would be cool. But that's not what they really showed for... Yeah. That wasn't their big 800-pound gorilla for RPGs. What was... Oh, Starfield. Yep, Starfield. They finally showed gameplay of it. Looks... It looks like Bethesda in space. Looks perfectly cromulent. It's probably going to be buggy as shit. Yep. But... It'll probably be less buggy than usual because yeah. it'll be using... More the the Microsoft may care more about their QA process than Bethesda did. Yeah, that's true. But hey, Game Pass, so I can just play it anyway. Yeah. Apparently, it has like a handful of like actually crafted worlds, and then like a bazillion procedurally generated ones. And now people are having debates about the amount of procedurally generated content. It's like they can have however fucking many procedurally generated worlds they want, as long as I, there's at least a handful yeah. of decently sized crafted areas. Uh, plus, Outer Worlds 2 is still a thing that's going to happen, so that's going to fill yeah. that niche at some point. And then, cool. after that's, uh, and then after that's out, Avowed will eventually happen someday. Yeah. Remember that? Which one is that? Avowed was uh, Obsidian's doing uh, an Elder Scrolls style thing, style thing in the uh, Pillars of Eternity setting. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. We talked about that on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least I did. <laughs> it disappeared. It disappeared. It's been disappeared since like 2020. But like supposedly the problem, the the thought process is it comes out after Starfield, so we aren't talking about it. Yeah, supposedly there will be a Fallout Five after Elder Scrolls Six, which, which I think means was around 2030. Yeah. <laughs> Because they've everything they've said about Elder Scrolls Six is, oh, it's many years from now. Yeah, I mean, I used to care about the Fallout series, and then Outer Worlds happened, and I, I don't care anymore. I don't. I used Shit. to care about the Fallout series, and then Fallout Four happened. Wow. And it was very boring. Yeah. <laughs> but also, I just I got Dude. I got very sick of the Fallout setting. I'm I am sick of fifties parodies. Yeah. There has not been an unironic version of uh, an unironic callback to the 50s since at least 1980, which is about 10 years before I was born. So, yeah, not not terribly interested in parodies of the parodies of ironic versions of sincere 50s stylings are. I'm, it's very tired. But yeah, uh, are there any other RPGs of note? Or even not of note. Um, was at that conference. That's about it. I mean, there are a lot of interesting-looking games, but I don't know how many of them There's are. There's that fucking One Piece game being being made by the people that did Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. 
Like that showed up. Oh, Minecraft Legends. We also need to talk about that for that. Yeah, well, I don't know what it is yet. I guess it's game with some description. Yeah, I saw someone <laughs> after the announcement was like, oh, the Minecraft is just doing their own Dragon Quest Builders now. And I was just like, no. That doesn't make any sense. That's not what that is at all. <laughs> no, it looks. I'd like to. Looks like some kind of strategy ish title. Um, I. It's tough to say what it is completely from the trailer, but it looks interesting. And um, after pouring like a ton of hours into Minecraft Dungeons, I am happy to, to play whatever they want to put out next. I would like to extend my formal condolences to everyone whose job is keeping Fallout 76 running at this stage. Oh yeah, that's right. They talked about that again. Yeah. They, they brought it up just long enough. Like there are three more events. Please, yeah. please play this video game. Don't play that game. Do not play that game. <laughs> uh, Ravenlock looked cute. That was yeah. kind of an action RPG looking thing. Uh, oh, similar thought. Uh, this is not related to the Xbox thing, but uh, that Platinum game, was it Babylon's Fall? I saw them somebody tweeting about like the new season of that, and I just felt bad. <laughs> No yeah, I feel very to... bad for whoever's job it is to keep yeah. uh, running that, beating that dead horse. That's a that that is absolutely a game that like the most nightmarish that, that like hit the nightmare scenario for a live service game, which is uh, recorded instances of one concurrent player on Steam. Oof. Real Sad because it's probably a better game than Fallout 76, which is maybe the faintest praise you could dance. I mean, sure, sure. Oh yeah, I was briefly very excited because they showed a trailer for Hollow Knight Silksong and I was like, oh man, they're gonna shadow drop that so people can stop complaining that they haven't shadow dropped that at every fucking Nintendo Direct and then they just announced it's also coming to Xbox. Like, oh. Okay. So what you're saying is that I still have to every Nintendo Direct hear people complaining that it's not being shadow dropped. Isn't that made by like a tiny team? Yeah. So what... what Chill the fuck out, people. People are very, very concerned. They're very, very, like... Well, one, people are very, very, like, antsy to play it, but also, two, it was originally announced as a DLC for the first one, so people thought, oh, it'll, that means it'll be made very quickly, and then it expand, seems to have gone through extreme amounts of scope creep and become a sequel. So chill the fuck out. <laughs> have you seen the internet? I, I have. I know. The uh, internet needs a serious case of chill the fuck out. Yeah, but it will not take it as prescribed. No. Uh, they did They did show Hot Wheels cars in Fallout Horizon. Not Fallout, Forza Horizon. And that was honestly kind of fun looking. <laughs> I don't play racing games, but it looked fun. I enjoyed yeah, some Hot not, Wheels. Yeah. But yeah, not a, not a ton on the RPG front, but, you know some stuff, and what they showed looked good. Uh, it's very funny, like, people coming out of the woodwork to explain why they are porting Persona 3 Portable and not Persona 3 Fest. Because Fest sucks. I mean, aside from that. Oh, yeah, true. Because the answer content is bad, and yeah. you should not play it, even if you're playing Fest, because that, that content is bad. 
uh, both from a design standpoint and a story standpoint. But uh, Ethan. apparently, like unsurprisingly, uh, the internals of Persona 3 Fest are a complete mess, and they would have had to completely rejigger them to make Persona 3 portable, so that's probably a much more stable code base. But uh, the kind of mess is fascinating. Apparently, uh, no two cutscenes of uh, Persona 3 Fest call, like, call the same model. They all have their own copy of the character models. I have no words, but... That's weird. That is weird. There's a lot of cutscenes in that game, for the record. Like, a lot, a lot of them. And I get that none of those models are large. They're all very small, because everyone sort of looks like they're made out of pipe cleaners. But at the same time, that seems really dangerous, wasteful, and concerning, so I can only imagine what the hell happened in that development to cause that to happen. <sighs> Probably a symptom of them spending a lot of time trying to work out what the game is. Yeah. Yeah. Not exactly, sorry. I don't know. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Persona 3 on the best of days, but I mean, if you're going to play a version, Portable is the one to play. Um, but yeah, that's, I think that's everything we care about at the Xbox thing. Oh yeah, we also cared about Flintlock. Yes, Flintlock looks dope as hell. Not sure What's how RPG-ish it is, but it looks like super dope. Yeah. What's the new um, Arcane Studios vampire game? Redfall? Something like that? Is that supposed to be good? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't Maybe fully. I still don't fully understand what it is. So. I, don't know. I mean, it'll be on fucking Game Pass, so we also stream it, and I'll get like a vague idea of what it is. Uh, Pew sent me a cool web page. It shows like all the announcements and stuff. So let me just. No, I'm looking this. at that as well. Okay. Open world co-op FPS. It could be cute, but I mean. There's only so much that I want to spend time yelling at people that they're fucking shit at this game. So <laughs> Stalker 2 was mentioned at some point. I'm sure it was because, I mean, yeah. it's something that's supposed to come out at the end of the year. Yeah. And then Scorn is coming out October 21st, I think. Yeah, that sounds correct. Uh, yeah, should... I, and the latest trailer I watched, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'll be able to play this. I, I might barf while I play. <laughs> I mean, you could keep a barf cam going. Yeah, is that a thing? No, but it, you could be the first. Wow. Uh, should we talk about the Capcom thing real quick? Oh, sure, 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 sure. They announced for the 10th anniversary of the Dragon's Dogma series. How do you have a series when there's one game? Uh, there's a game and a half. There's an expansion. Whatever. There's, there's, an, also, there's um, a bad anime. An extremely, an, extremely bad anime. There's an MMORPG. Oh, yeah. Not Dragon's Dogma Online. So there's like a two yeah. and a half games. Yeah. Two there'll games. be a 10th anniversary video coming soon. They've dragged out Hideaki Tsuno, who is one of their big guys and who directed the original Dragon's Dogma to announce this announcement. So I assume they're leading into Dragon's Dogma 2. I assume uh, they just were during their, their event because well, that seemed like a good time to announce it, but 
but they had previously announced there would be no new game announcements. Oh, yeah, that's right. I think they want it to not be overshadowed by Monster Hunter and Resident Evil. True. And there was a lot of monsters. There's a lot of good Monster Hunter goodies in that show. Nothing yeah, really worth covering. Out, what's more, lots what's of more interesting stuff. is there's a lot of Resident Evil there. Yes. Uh, lots of uh, DLC for Village. Yeah, they announced they announced Village DLC a full year ago, and now they are they have properly announced what that is. And hey, the multiplayer mode is finally going to come out. I thought that was out already, but apparently it's not. Yeah, I just didn't care. Um, but yeah, That's some, uh, is is Resident Evil Mercenaries multiplayer or no? I think they, it's, they showed additions no. to that as well. Okay. Yeah, Mercenaries was not, it was not, and typically has not been multiplayer. I believe it was multiplayer in RE six. Um, and five. Yeah, maybe five. I didn't play it. I didn't play it co-op in five. I played it co-op in six, but uh, oh. yeah. Okay. Huh? Yeah, I was just saying I I can't speak for five, but um. Well, five they did the mercenaries reunion DLC, and I think that was split oh, I never screen. Played that. Yeah. But uh, Resident Evil uh, Village is getting some new characters for mercenaries. You get Chris Redfield. You get. Carl uh, Heisenberg, and you get Lady Dimitrescu. So basically, everyone that people would have wanted to play as that was not available. Uh, yeah, that's, which you know, it's it's fun. People get to play as the fan favorites from that game. Uh, yeah, the Mercenaries was in Village was good. Um, the only thing is, you have the harder versions of the levels that are just ridiculous. Oh yeah, so, extremely. That's crazy. But yeah, and then they announced most perplexingly they announced third person mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't realize there were people like heavily clamoring for that, but they You yeah. you wouldn't think so. <laughs> like I it's not a it's not necessarily a bad way to play the game, I would imagine, but you know, it's one of those things where it's like I didn't realize there were people that never got over that RE seven and eight were in first person. But they they've gone to the trouble. There's like it's got a an option for an RE4 style camera if that's what you desire. Uh, yeah, I heard they had to update some of the like attack animations and stuff. They would have had to do that. And there's also there's some cutscenes that I'm curious how they'll play out in first in third person, like the scene, yeah. uh, a scene early on where things happen that you would need to be able to see very closely. Or you would not fully understand the impact of what is happening, and I will not say more so that we'll not spoil. But uh, I mean, you know, I I watched a stream of the game, so I know the most entire of the stuff. And, yeah. Uh, Why? Well, not necessarily because I didn't think I was going to play it, and then I watched it, and it was like the shit. Yeah. So the the scene where like Ethan's arm is temporarily locked off. Yeah, that sounds like it'll be story. fun in VR, though. Oh, I'm very excited for that. That's what will sell me a PSVR too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they announced Resident. They well, they showed a bit more of Resident Evil uh, Village VR, which I mean, Resident Evil Seven VR is an incredible experience, and basically the only thing worth playing in VR. Uh, 
and so I'm very excited to run through that again, run through Village again in VR, and get terrified by something and scream a lot. Um, but also then turn around and shoot that thing that scared me, which, you know, that's that's the advantage of playing Resident People over a lot of horror games, is that if something spooks me, I can turn around and shoot it in the head. Yeah. Um, Hell yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, and I briefly course, had um, the... I was just going to say that I briefly had the, the PlayStation VR on PS4, and unfortunately I got horrible motion sickness from it, so... I attempted to play 7 in VR and couldn't quite get through it, and then I ended up returning it to GameStop for store credit. I have a cast iron stomach and and impossible to be made sick by VR. Yeah, so I just hope that the VR 2 isn't like $700 or $800. I I don't think it would be, but... Betting on um, 500 Yeah. That's what the VR one was. Right. So... Featuring inside-out tracking and fewer cables, because the first one is a rat's nest. Well, I'm wondering if with the higher refresh rate, maybe I won't get the horrible motion sickness. I'm not sure. Yeah. <sighs> if you're wondering, so, Turtles is not playable yet. <laughs> no surprise. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna try it on my system because I don't know. Why would your switch be different than my switch? I don't know, but let's see. Console will use the internet to check whether the software can be played. Checking. Do. We're in the same time zone, so I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Fairly. So is it going to be 3 a.m. or is it going to be some undisclosed time? Mm. Uh, God only knows. Like noon tomorrow, probably. Yeah. Whatever. Um, but yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, and then they announced some post-game DLC that takes place uh, after the game's ending, and we will say no more. Yeah. Yeah. The Resident Evil's looking good. Excited for that. Maybe we'll. Oh, and then they showed Resident Evil 4. Not much of it, but some. Looks and looking spooky. I wish it were stupider, but I'll I'll live. Yeah. And that's the Microsoft conference. And the Capcom showcase. So they will not let Wheels talk about. Oh, now I remember the action, the other RPG that they showed at Microsoft. What's that? Diablo. Oh yeah, Diablo. It looks really good actually. <laughs> Diablo Four. Yep. So no, um, I I can't find a time that Shredder's Revenge will unlock. Oh, well. It's going to be a time capsule. No, I did see on Twitter that, like, the director of Diablo 4 had to go on Twitter and be like, no, no, it's basically without saying it, saying, no, it's not going to have any of this Diablo mortal bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. 
So all y'all who are playing that for some broke-brained reason can stop and just play a game that will yeah. be that will not try to <laughs> rope you into being an infinite money machine once it hits end game. Yep. But yeah, uh, that's video games. Video games are occurring at a rapid and terrifying rate. Yes. Um, oh, there was Overwatch too. And we won't discuss also, it. Why not? But I want to. <laughs> what lot. do you want to say? There's the not PvP, a lot to talk about other than that it's going the, the free PvP to play. Is, yeah, the PvP is free to play and comes out in October. The single player has been delayed to God knows when. It's, it's fine. That's not what's going to make them money anyway. And that's why it was allowed to be delayed to yes. God knows when. <laughs> but yeah, it's it should have gone free to play a long time ago and probably didn't because Activision. Didn't because of Activision and also because they didn't know what a compensation plan would be for people who already had, who had purchased the game. So it's like, well, now that it's Overwatch 2, we don't have to. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's an optic ship. Uh, yeah. Uh, optic blast. Optic blast. Dreams. Uh, listen, we're don't not playing. Die. <laughs> we're not playing Marvel vs. Capcom here, right? <laughs> That's it. I'm putting uh, a song at the start of this episode now. No, you should put "Going Under" by Kill Lincoln on. Uh, you should do that. Yes, actually, <laughs> it would be my reminder to buy that mini album. It's very good. It has Kill Lincoln and Less Than Jake. Yes, one of what those Less Than Jake songs is. In, well, I don't think it is anymore. But at one point, it was in Fortnite. You could hear it on the a car radio. Oh yeah. Cool. Well, oh, you, um, you got off the boat and now you're going into the mines. The, they called the it a mine. A mine. But yeah, so, you know, so, some exciting announcements. Uh, still both hoping for and expecting. Oh, there is actually something that's going to happen after we record. Oh, yeah, the Final Fantasy VII event. Yeah, the people are rumor-mongering might have a Crisis Core remaster. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, that be, would be cool. I would appreciate that, simply because that game is completely fucking stranded now. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's kind of it's essential at this point, I think. Uh, unclear, because we don't fully know how much remake Zack's backstory completely lines up with That's uh, true. original, but it's one of those things where it's like, you know, they can... Who knows what they can do with the remaster? Maybe they add, like, an extra little, like, bonus uh, story to bridge it into Remake. Who knows? But I don't expect to see Remake 2 at all. Uh, I don't think that Square will up and take the wraps off of that until FF16 is out. Yeah. For the same reason, FF16 came out... It was announced almost immediately after FF7 Remake came out. Yeah, I think they, they consider them to cannibalize each other. But, yeah. Um, you got all your weapons back. Yay! Congratulations! There's a... Uh, there's an achievement in this game if you open the item box 
uh, three times or less. The reason being because you have to open it at least three times. Because first you've got to put your sh put your shit away when Lucas tells you to. Then you get it back, and then you get your stuff back again here. So as long as you don't open hmm. the item box more than three times, you know, in the spots where you have to, you get an achievement. That sounds like a tremendous waste of time. It is. Congratulations on wasting your time. But I did it. I mean, we I'm can't all... take that away from you. You can't. You can just make me feel like the biggest loser of all time. We can't. I'd rather not do that either. Uh, okay. Okay. In any case, yeah, that's that's the news that was and the news that will that will be and I mean, there will probably be a direct sometime at the end of the month, too. Who knows? I've heard a lot of... seen a lot of rumors about a uh, direct at the end of the month. And there seems to be too much smoke for it to be nothing. Yeah, I mean, we know there's got to be one because they want to announce their second half of the year titles yeah. and plug up that uh, oft-mysterious uh, part of the... Uh, release timeline after like once we get past Xenoblade 3 it's a bunch of big question marks other than Splatoon 3 so mm -hmm. and Pokemon's yeah but I mean Pokemon Pokemon would not be announced at a regular direct anyway it That's always true. gets on direct yes. also it's always in November yeah <laughs> yes it's like saying oh we've got a big event to announce Call of Duty oh is it coming out on Veterans Day again golly But, yeah, yeah, I guess supposedly the the next Call of Duty is just going to be seventy bucks, no matter what version you buy, or 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 something like the cross gen bundle is going to be required, or something. I don't know. So, so somehow they're going to get seventy bucks out of you if if you buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't buy it. Good option. Recommend. Instead, yeah, you should play Doom, because Doom is the shit. Doom. Or Wolfenstein. Also good. Das Wolfenstein, yeah? Da. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Um, oh, I was going to say something about it. The heck uh, is the gungeon? It's what? a roguelite of some description. What? Same thing? It looks silly. We are not getting sidetracked on this. <laughs> it's like um, Dungeons and Dragons, but with guns. And also absolutely nothing like that description. Yes. Like, not even <laughs> No. It's not even close. It's, Let's put some questions. It's like... Before, um, I go, before I lose my goddamn mind. It's like Binding oh, of I, Isaac, um... but not gross. Is that a better description? <laughs> Yeah, uh, it is, but I still don't feel like playing it. Um, well, it's the, the best description I can come up with, but it's also not at all like Binding of Isaac. Okay, fine. So, any Groovon, idea right? when is uh, Baldur's Great Baldur's Gate three? When is that coming out of early year. access? Any any clue? Mm -hmm. No. Okay. I think they said next year. Ugh. Bastards. I mean. 
Games take time. It just happens. Yeah. It's never gone on sale. I mean, it's not finished. It's early I access. I know. I got it for free, so I can't complain. Damn you. I'll make you complain. I paid $60, played for just under two hours, and then refunded it. But I will repurchase when it is actually done. Well, why the hell did you buy it early to begin with? Because I just wanted to try it, and then it just wasn't running very well, and it didn't look right. Because it's early access! I know. No, I'm officially done with this discussion, even if you two aren't. Okay, so Um, let's, let's move on. What do we... What are we playing? Yeah, sure. Let's do that. Okay. Uh, I finished a thing. What was it? I finished uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition Future Connected. Not it's, it's a fun little story that um, kind of ties up some loose ends from the end of uh, the game involving Melia and uh, the what, is, what are the, the bird-ish people called? The high idea. Fuck I if I remember. remember. Yeah, it finished. You were the one who was just playing it. <laughs> I don't remember names well. I never have. I can't uh, remember them either. But yeah, it finishes. It kind of closes some loose ends there, and maybe hints at possibilities for three, but not really. Yeah. So if you were thinking maybe this is something I should play before three, it's not essential. Uh, just if you want a bit more uh, Xenoblade bef- to warm yourself up for three, go for it. But yeah, yeah, not totally essential. Uh, and other than that, I've been playing um, Dot Hack. Continues to be great. Need to finish part three and move on to part four. But I haven't been in the mood to play things that require brain brain engagement too much. Uh, I played some Mega Man Soccer. Wow. Why? Because it's one of the Mega Man games I, I hadn't finished. Is that in any of the collections or anything? Nope. Yeah. It's barely finished, dude. It doesn't play the ending properly when you finish it. Yeah. I played that a lot so. back in the day. It was a game. I don't know why they united slide, tackle, and jump onto the same button. Those two things serve very different utilities. Jeez. Uh, So yeah, I lost horribly when I played it. Uh, Not recommended. It is amusingly surreal that by default you can just have an entire team of Mega Mans face an entire team of differently colored Mega Mans, but not differently colored to each other, just a team of like blue Mega Mans versus a team of red Mega Mans. I don't I like how you're saying Mega Mans instead of Mega Men. Listen, <laughs> I have I have made my opinion clear that the actual correct plural is Mega's Man, but no one will follow me on that. So. <laughs> no, I won't. But yeah, you can you can have your entire team of Megas Man and your opponent's entire team of differently colored Megas Man. So yeah, it's it's not it's not a horrible soccer game. It's not a particularly compelling one. It's undone by the fact that you kind of need a lot of positional awareness in 
soccer because of giant ass field and you super don't have it on a Super Nintendo resolution. Yeah. Well, can you have a whole team of roles? Presumably? I don't know. You're assuming that I was engaged much harder in this game than I was. I just booted the default teams against each other because there's no actual campaign mode. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's... I mean, there's there's no reason to play it unless you're just very curious. No reason to warn you away from it, but, like, it's not... Pro there is nothing that you are proximate to that will let you just play it for no reason, so... Yeah, um... Yeah, that's Mega Man Soccer. Uh, I booted up Link to the Past for nostalgic purposes. Cool. Nice. If you ask me what, if you ask me to just imagine a video game in a vacuum, that's still kind of what I end up thinking of. That's still good. Uh, anything else? Anything else? Anything else? I don't think so. Yeah, I think that's about... Oh, and, and Street Fighter. I played some Street Fighter. I, I beat the shit out of Wield in Third Strike. It was good. Yeah, that's true. I feared better in Alpha, but not that better. much better. Not amazingly, but better. I was there. I watched. I helped. But yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh... You know, we're we're still scrub lords regardless, so doesn't really matter. Yeah. But in conclusion, gutter trash. Gutter trash. <laughs> what have you been playing, Joe? Well, um let's see. Still playing Super Mario RPG again for nostalgic reasons. Um nice. I, let's see, my PlayStation Plus membership expired on the 10th, Yay. so I decided to do one month of the new premium tier just to check it out. No. Um, so I got to play a trial of that Hot Wheels racing game, and it's basically just a vehicle for loot boxes, <laughs> pun intended, and... Uh, then I played a little bit of Biomutant for an hour, and it's like, I still have another hour left of the trial, and I may do that. It's not terrible, but it's not great. You it's know, perfectly not something cromulent. Wanna, yeah, not something I'd want to spend full price on, certainly. But, I, I mean, I'd be willing to pay maybe 20 bucks for it. Sure. It's, it's just weird, because it's like, they tried to do everything, and as a result, it's not really good at anything. And the damn narrator won't shut up as many reviewers pointed out so then there's some flashback sequences and just a whole lot of tutorials and i don't know the combat doesn't the, the physics are weird there's not really a, a lot of weight to hitting people i don't know not a lot of knockback and whatnot but um not terrible i may continue playing that and then uh was just trying out different games on there. I played Demon Souls remake for the first time for about two hours and got pissed off because, oh yeah, this game's broken, huh? So I found, uh, no, but I did find out if you can beat the Vanguard demon, then you get summoned into this other room 
where you get a bunch of healing items, crafting items, and then an even bigger, stronger enemy. Bless you. Bless you. Um, this huge egress enemy just straight up murders you in a cutscene, and so then you end up at the Nexus anyways, and you don't get a trophy for it, and it's like, oh, all right. So I played that for a little bit, but I just remembered all the reasons why I hate Demon Souls. You know, a new coat of paint and higher frame rate doesn't fix the unfairness of it all. So there was that. Um, and then was playing a bit of Resident Evil 237 just to check out the new updates with the ray tracing and higher frame rates and stuff. So um, I want to say that's that's it. So I made a little more progress in Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I want to beat that before 3 comes out. But now I'm stuck in this factory and I don't know how to proceed. So I might have to look it up online. So. I think I got stuck in that factory too, actually. Because, yeah, the, it's happened to me multiple times where the game will tell you exactly where to go, but not give you any clues as to how to get there. So... Yeah, it can be confusing sometimes. Yeah. You'll get it though. Yeah, eventually. I also found out that I missed quite a bit of post-game content in Super Mario Odyssey because I beat the game and didn't realize you have to, like... Like, I I know that Peach went on vacation, and then it was telling me you got to get more moons, and then now you can go to Peach's castle and that whole area. But I guess you got to revisit all of the levels again and find these glowing cube things, and then that unlocks more moons. So apparently there's a lot more stuff I can do in that game if I feel so inclined. Yeah. Yeah, um... But yeah, uh... Is that all we've been playing? I think so. Question time! We are still legally a Q&A podcast from that game. Um... Oh, this one's broad. Good. Uh, that's a... For the question about embracing bad things and remakes, I agree with your point. There are more. Th- there's more to the question. You know, more explicitly, the commercialization of memes cannot be done successfully. We live in a post-Minions world, but we also live in a post-Snakes on Plane and post-Morbius world. Uh, Minions started out as uh, mascots for children, and then spread to middle-aged moms. Uh, the starting out as mascots for children was the the key point here. Uh, if someone has to develop a sense of irony, it becomes very hard to market memes at them. Uh, so, I, and we've seen that happen because they, I believe since this question happened, they tried putting Morbius back in theaters because people kept memeing on it and it failed again. Yep. Which was honestly one of the, the only, the only good outcome that could have happened 
so do not let the theaters twice. Yeah, do not let companies think that they can just try to capitalize on ah oh, people are memeing on our shitty film. Time to let them watch it again. It's like just just put it on the streaming like everyone else. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> It did not help that, like, Morbius was a meme, but only in the context of Morbius was a failure because no human being ever wanted a Morbius movie. Like, there was no one who was like, oh, fuck, a Morbius movie, I cannot wait. Like, Man, there were people who were like... Morbius the living vampire. There were, yes. there were people who saw the concept of a Venom movie and were like, fuck yeah, I love Venom. There was not a single person that did that with Morbius. <laughs> Not a single one. And, like, <laughs> that, is, that is the problem here. There is no audience for Morbius specifically. Some people went and saw it on the basis of, I would like to see a very dumb action movie, and I have no idea if they got what they wanted or not. <laughs> yeah, I have categorically ejected Park. all of them. Yes, you did. It was probably but way yeah, better than Morbius. I would hope so. But... Yeah, like, just categorically no, no constituency for Morbius. There's no one for whom that exists. The only people who would think it was funny that it existed are also people who would never actually pay to see it. <laughs> Which draws us to the other part of uh, Snakes on a Plane, which is, again... A movie that was memed upon for the fact that its name, its working title was Snakes on a Plane. They were like, oh man, the internet sure is talking about this. They must be 100% ready to spend money on it. And the answer is that talking about something is not the same as, thing as caring about it. <laughs> but, yeah. Which, which does bring us to the other part of the question. Uh, how much should creators embrace the interpretations of their fans, hypothetically and just hypothetically, what if, just despite people's square annex inserts a bad ending in the episode we make where Cloud and Sephiroth, uh, well, I'm censoring the rest of that. But, uh, why am I echoing? I don't know. Don't know. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, in, in general, my response would be, uh, I don't think that antagonizing your audience, that wouldn't even really be antagonizing. It would be pleasing one set of audience members and antagonizing another for basically, uh, I, don't, I don't even know. Like that, that's, a, that's a broader thing. It's like responding to fan interpretations. Uh, I guess I'll point it out. It has happened before in FF7. If you go back and look at the interviews done around FF7 Advent Children, uh, there are discussions from the principal people behind Advent Children talking about the story of Advent Children and saying, yeah, I know this isn't how Cloud was in the original, but the fans really like this idea of him. So we, moved, we have created a story justification for why he acts more like the fans' interpretation of Cloud. <laughs> And the answer is that that was roundly rejected by most people. Art that has 
absolutely no interest in challenging its audience on anything, even down to forcing them to try to find their own creative ways to get the things they want out of it, uh, tends to be extremely tedious and insubstantial. I, I probably should follow that statement on with something, but that's more just my philosophy in life. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, like... You, you look at something like that, uh, you know, you, like, that's the issue you end up running into uh, when you try to, like, build something on fan interpretation, is that you can often get fans to agree in broad strokes what they want, but every single one of them has a different version of it in their head, and none of them is going to be what your attempt to cater to them looks like you typically end up just producing something that is uh, displeasing for a multitude of reasons. And I don't think it's a healthy, I don't think it's a typically healthy artistic process to go chasing that. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, it's convenient that FEM mentions uh, Hill fans as Marx in the episode. My big question is, how much money can you make from Marx? A lot more than you can make from people that are that think they aren't Marx. <laughs> uh, feels like after Five Nights at Freddy's, even more developers went want to trap their audiences in a state of constant engagement. Strike their very last sentence. Sometimes they succeed and sometimes they fail. In the most pathetic way, like the Hello Neighbor devs begging a YouTuber to make a video about the game. That was really, really, really fucking sad if you ever had to see it. Like, every time that they, like, did a trailer for, like, a spinoff of that fucking game, they were just, like, tweeting at this fucking at the fucking game theory guy, like, oh, he's gonna see, he's gonna have a lot to say about this trailer. Dude never, dude never fucking made a game, video <laughs> on that game. <laughs> wow. But, yeah, that was, that was, that was kind of the saddest thing in human history. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, uh, so th there's a, there's a few things to, to say here. The, the first being that, like, uh, you know, a mark is someone who is choosing to engage in your fiction on its own level. And, like, the, the term of, course, for those unfamiliar, it's an old pro wrestling term that comes from old carny language of implying that you're getting conned, uh, which is why very uh, quickly, once people realized that that was the term for a wrestling fan, there became uh, the, the old school terms were that there was the marks who did not know it was staged, and there was the smarts who did. And being ah. smart, so to speak, spoke specifically of being in the industry uh, like you were a wrestler or a promoter or something like that and uh, that that term became extremely loaded extremely quickly because mark is also something you would use to describe someone who is about to get uh, hit with a confidence trick uh, yeah so in general, not uh, not a not a not a respectful term for your audience, but in, in general, over time, the term is mutated to basically be uh, like it's impossible to not know wrestling is 
uh, staged if you are over the age of five. Like that's just <laughs> too ambient to the culture surrounding it. So nowadays, you would usually term Mark as someone who engages with the story on its own terms and uh, accepts the fiction as a fiction that they are willing to suspend disbelief for. And Smarks as the people who are uh, obsessed with the why of why a match was booked this way, or who's yelp, who's like hates each other at very like within the organization, that sort of thing. It's kind of the equivalent, the wrestling equivalent of a person who watches a TV show versus a person who cares a lot about uh, the writing process and uh, some combination of writing process and celebrity gossip. Uh, in an unhealthy uh, combination. But in general, uh, there's a lot more people who are watching or engaging with a piece of media because they care about it on its own terms than there are people who uh, obsess over it in anything that's like a mass media. Once you get into like cult followings, like the sky's the limit. But in general, like the, the signal to noise ratio is well there's a there's a handful of people making an awful lot of noise and like you cannot cater yourself to them because they are your loudest demographic they are not your biggest demographic for the most part it just it just doesn't really uh it's not healthy uh, Fireminer goes on to say, I work in marketing, and let me tell you how many executives still stupidly think that engagement translates into profit. Uh, let's look at wrestling fans, those who frequent things like Reddit or a chance of board are less likely to buy merch than Marks, but it is the Smarks who talk about pro wrestling the most. More cynically, this is why all QAnon grifters target boomers. It's nice and all if you can uh, get a younger demographic, but uh, it's their grandparents who spend money on whatever you're promoting. Uh, not a terminally online ironic kid. I mean, a lot of old people spend most of their days on the internet anyway. Yeah, everyone's terminally online now. That's something we have to live with. But uh, yeah, like the, th the thing about it is that someone who's... It, often there is a situation where you've got a few kinds of online fandom. You have the very... Uh, engaged online fandom who uh, is merch obsessed. We would categorize this as the Disney adult. Uh, kind of person who devotes their identity to consumption of this particular form of media. Uh, you know, idiots like me and Wheels who buy, who buy too many games. Uh, yes. Then you've got another substrata that is someone for whom consumption of these is their identity, but spending money is not how they uh, engage with that identity. It becomes more about uh, discussion. Discussion, talk is real cheap and often doesn't turn into the ancillary like merch sales or additional copies or whatever that actually turn you the like real the, the real profits uh, like there's there is definitely an online crowd that becomes very into 
uh, that kind of engagement, but it, you know, it's only useful as marketing itself. It can't really be used as like a guarantee of returns. Your fans that never shut up about something are only a guarantee in terms of what they can be expected to, uh, that they can be expected to talk a lot about whatever new announcements you've made. And oftentimes it will be about how they hate it, but mm -hmm. it, it pleases the algorithm and causes people to talk about it. So, you know, that's what you need. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, like the, the kind of, there is a certain substrata of fans that Smark is one of them that, their interest, like their desire for ancillary material around a piece of media is slaked by their constantly talking about it. And they have no, in, they, they have limited interest in additional merch. Uh, addition, like they might buy a core product, like, oh, there's a new expansion to this video game, there's a sequel to this movie, there's a new issue of this comic. They'll buy the core product. They aren't going to buy the action figures, all that shit. They don't care. <laughs> and, you know, that's why uh, the, the real money comes from the uh, combination of a broad base of people and whales. Broad base of people and whales. <laughs> thought you said wheels for a second there. Yeah, I did too. It can be both. <laughs> Wheels is a whale, huh? Wow, kind Thanks. of. How many times have you like bought and sold the same handful of games, buddy? No comment. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't talking about your weight. <laughs> Never. Well, that's good. That. No. I was talking about your spending habits. <laughs> but yeah, those would be the. The core points that I would necessarily bring up. And we've got some Sonic questions. Ooh. Uh, Do you know the way? Don't use that meme, it sucks. And it's pretty racist, <laughs> but. Uh, let's see. Any bad game that has one or two really good musical tracks. I was recently reminded that there exists a Shadow the Hedgehog remix of M. Flo's Tripod Baby. I mean, a lot of Sonic games. A lot of, a lot of Sonic games have like every, love, probably more than one or two good tracks, which is probably what you're... Uh, yeah. Uh, Trying to like you know you're you're probably trying for like only a couple of really good sound uh, songs on a soundtrack and most of the Sonic games have really good soundtracks even if the game sucks. Uh, um, yeah, the first three had very good soundtracks. I I didn't like the Sonic CD soundtrack because to me it just sounded like a lot of generic '90s pop and hip hop. You know, you're terrible. Which Sonic CD soundtrack? There's two of them. Oh, I don't know. The American Whatever. one or the Japanese one. I don't know the version on Xbox 360. I don't know. Uh, the that version has both. I don't know which defaults to. Okay, 
But um, actually, just a piece of news on that. In the Sonic Origins collection, they're going to have to remix the Sonic 3 and Sonic and & Knuckles songs because something to do with Michael Jackson. I can give the more detailed version of that if you'd like. Yes, please. Um, oh, okay. okay. So... I need to step away for a few minutes. I'll be back. Oh, that's why we all watched me. Oh, no, no, I was no, going to no, say no. no. <laughs> I was going to uh, say I think I've read up on it before. Something with royalties and copyright the, and blah, for, blah, blah. Oh, it's much, it's much more. Okay. For, for the audience uh, benefit, Sonic 3 and Knuckles had a soundtrack in part composed by, uh, or at least allegedly, I don't know how much of this was ever admitted in a legal context, but allegedly had a soundtrack in part composed by Michael Jackson and his collaborator, Brad Buxler. Uh, most obviously, Ice Cap Zone's theme is basically just an instrumental of an unreleased Brad Buxler song from his band, The Jetsons, called Hard Time. Uh, yep. That song has since found its way onto the internet, they are indisputably the same song. Uh, but also, there's some more uh, obvious, there's some more like famous shit in there. I believe uh, the allegation is that at least one of the acts of Carnival Night Zone's music is uh, lifting segments of Jam by Michael Jackson. So, the, the thing about this is essentially every level had a song assigned to it before. Michael Jackson became involved in whatever capacity he was or was not. Uh, these versions of the music uh, seem to have been used as the basis for the Windows port from the mid-90s. Uh, people always wondered where the fuck that music came from, and the answer is that when people unearthed a certain beta of Sonic 3, they found that, oh, this is just Genesis versions of the PC music. This was the original music. Uh, and then, you know, the, the semi-Jacksonized version happened. Uh, as far as there, there's never been like a fully demystified, clear telling of what happened here. But basically, allegedly, some combination of record label shenanigans and uh, bad press around Michael Jackson in the mid-90s for obvious reasons, and... Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that he allegedly hated the shit out of how the song sounded on the Genesis caused his name to be taken off the uh, taken off the credits, but they used the music anyway, which was legally probably the least defensible position they had. Like extremely tenuous because, like, you're using something that may have involved Michael Jackson and has record label and all this shit and you didn't credit him and presumably there's some sort of paperwork that says what you can and can't use but god only knows where it went because Sega of the mid-90s is a disorganized clusterfuck yep. so like the, the choice to just use the music anyway is probably the most dangerous one they could have made and they're kind of lucky that no one ever brought it up in, back in the 90s but uh, as it stands it's all fucking it's all gone uh, like they I, I would imagine that fewer tracks are going to change than people might necessarily think because I don't know uh, 
I don't think they're all different from what existed in that beta, and I don't know how much Buxer and uh, Jackson are believed to have touched. But yeah, you're you're gonna get like modern remixes of those beta slash PC tracks in place of whatever they think is legally dubious. Okay. Uh, the guarant the guaranteed ones being ice caps on basically because that one like there's there's no getting around what that is. Okay. But yeah, and wheels still not back. No. And I thought I could I can probably keep stretching this out, but you know. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's it was dangerous waters for them to <laughs> to tread even at the time, and I'm kind of shocked that it didn't blow up in their face. But I mean, I guess now they're trying to make a new canonical version that won't have these issues. So, uh, good luck. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I never liked Michael Jackson. There's some good tracks. I'm not a huge. I'm not a super fan by any means. Yeah, I mean, the baseline of Billie Jean, yeah, but beyond that, I mean, eh. Whatever. But yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, there's everything else about his involvement that is... Uh, hey, in, <laughs> in The Simpsons' uh, Stark Raving Dad, was that actually Michael Jackson doing nope. that voice? No, I didn't think so. Yeah, it was like his, like official impersonator basically oh okay uh, kip lennon i think is his name let me check but yeah it, it's one of those things where yeah i can see wait so so how did michael jackson feel about the moonwalker game on genesis then didn't that have some of his Music. I mean that was that was licensed, but also he wasn't being asked to compose it. That was someone else doing it. Okay. I would imagine he was not thrilled with how it sounded. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. <laughs> now, personally, I always preferred the sound of the Genesis sound card over, I don't know, other systems of that era. For I don't know that because that's what I grew up with. Yeah. I grew up with I mean, both so of them. But yeah. like the way the ways you can abuse the Genesis sound chip are way the fuck worse than the ways you can abuse a Super Nintendo one. Yeah, a Super Nintendo, a bad Super Nintendo soundtrack is boring. A bad Genesis soundtrack is painful. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's why, like, I tend to think more fondly of Super Nintendo ones, even though like really good Genesis soundtracks like Streets of Rage two are you know fucking bangers. But you know. Then... Yeah. So then, like you know, I'm also a guy who owns some games made by Sega's creation, so Yeah, like for cross platform games, sure the Super Nintendo is gonna be better quality, but yeah, like the Sonic games, Streets of Rage, oh sure, Golden Axe, those all had they just sounded good to me. I don't know, that's what I grew up with, that's what I liked. I mean, the broader point I was going to make is if Sega wasn't the one making it, there was a very good chance that someone was going to do something absolutely wretched to it. Um, yeah. <laughs> hence why I brought up Sage's Creation, which was an yeah. imprint of beloved Kusoke publisher, Hot B. Which I think I've ranted about many times before, so I won't go into it, but I will once again point out that the last iteration of Hot B's logo implied that Hot B was an acronym that stood for he is over there because 
just the worst fucking worst fucking games imaginable. Ugh. So bad. So bad. Oh. Boy. Hmm? So in, in other news, I, I am playing Xenoblade Chronicles 2 right now, and I was able to brute force the fan to get into the factory, and now I'm fighting Lila. I finally caught up to her, and I have to fight her. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not stuck anymore. Let's see. Uh, to hit something that I probably am the only one who will have an opinion on. Uh, is Shadow of the Hedgehog a good example of a bad game being weird actually making it memorable? I mean, like, the parts of it that are sufficiently weird are memorable, and, like, that's the weird the weird thing about Shadow of the Hedgehog, because, like, you have a bunch of stuff that is, like, no, no human being who was not being guided by, like, a series of confused marketing documents would have created Shadow of the Hedgehog. And that means that, like, the the actual way that they have collated all of these marketing demands together is a complete dog's breakfast. But at the same time, there are also sections of it that are just aggressively generic. And the, like the music, uh, as mentioned, is just awful. Uh, for the most part, like it's just so boring and it becomes much less memorable. But yeah, like I, I would also describe uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 06 as being in this class of this design makes no sense to anyone. You are chasing a series of marketing trends. You have not spent nearly enough time and money to make this game work. And honestly, even if you had spent enough time and money for it to function properly, it still would have been full of truly legendarily baffling ideas. And that, you know, that does give it a certain je ne sais quoi that, like, just, oh, we made Gears of War, but we were bad at it, so it's not fun, uh, lacks. Funny how je ne sais quoi means I don't know what. Yeah. And it fits. I love it. It's one of my favorite phrases, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, does, but do people actually remember Shadow of the Hedgehog for what it is instead of whatever means it's generated throughout the years? Uh, I think that it gets a fair bit of discussion for its, like, at the very least, for its extremely confused uh, idea of how to integrate the then popular idea of morality bars and nonlinear storytelling into a game that fundamentally does not make sense. See also uh, its decision to inter- integrate gunplay into a game that it categorically does not make sense in. Uh, it's not just the memes, like there are certainly memes that surround Shadow the Hedgehog, but a lot of it is also just, why is it, like, it is a puzzle box of baffling, baffling design decisions. Every time that you think that you have resolved something, like, you realize that you've crashed it into another decision that doesn't make sense in that context. And, you know, that's fascinating in its way. So, you know, it's that's a path to being a legend in its way. Uh, and then I have to wait for Wheels to get back. He's called out specifically on this next question. <laughs> uh, okay. Shouldn't Sega remember that when it comes to designing 3D Sonic, speed isn't everything. This first game 
it's not much faster than your average platformer anyway. Uh, depends on the level. Uh, Green Hill, like the, the levels people like in Sonic 1 are generally faster than most. The levels people very much do not like are designed to be slow, but also people don't like Marble Zone or Labyrinth Zone. Uh, speed doesn't have to be everything, but speed is definitely your, like, people want speed to be their reward. Uh, if you're good at Sonic, and Sonic should not be a hard game to be good at. If you are good at Sonic, you need to be, uh, how to describe this? If you're good at Sonic, you need to be able to go fast. I don't think people will accept anything less than that. Yeah, I I honestly never liked the 3D Sonic games that much. I mean, that's that's not an uncommon opinion. I think Adventure right. is good. Uh, I don't think he ever transitioned well into the third dimension. And that's I why I think Sonic Mania is just absolutely amazing, and I cannot understand why Sega would not keep that going. But I don't, here we I are. I think it actually sold as well as a 3D Sonic, though, which is a problem, but... Like, oh. it sold well, because it's a Sonic game, but, like, it didn't sell as well as a big-budget Sonic game, and they're not about to throw more budget at it. And also, it involves uh, contracting out to a third party, and there's all sorts of other issues with it. And also, Sega is wrong for me, but... Um, <laughs> but, uh, as a broader spectrum, I would say, uh, I think Sonic Adventure 1 is a good template and interesting game. Uh, I think Sonic Adventure 2... Uh, tries to sand off a lot of that, the rough edges of that template, and ends up mostly just sanding off most of what makes it interesting. Okay, we'll just find them back. Uh, Sonic Heroes is a disaster. Uh, Shadow the Hedgehog is an unmitigated disaster. Sonic 06 is a blast crater from some sort of, like, meteor that should have wiped out all life on the planet. Um, uh, but yeah, like to, to contrast uh, and to go back to the earlier question about a game, it's a good example of a bad game being weird, making it memorable. Uh, there, There's often like an attempt to drag the Wii U Sonic Boom into this discussion of like the, how how bad Sonic games can be. And, like, it's a bad game, but the thing about it is that it's also a deeply uninteresting one. It's just sort of there. And that's why it tends to get corresponding with less discussion about what it actually is, and mostly means about the bugs. Uh, oh, yeah, we had to skip past the question uh, for you, Niels. On the other end of the spectrum, how many people will talk about Halo Infinite 10 years from now or Horizon Forbidden West? Love to hear at wheels when it's on this. Why? <laughs> you were waiting for this question. You called this question out. Dream, <laughs> hmm. yes, it is crap. Oh, you have to say all that all over again? Yes, I do. I do. Okay, okay so um, let me try and say that all over again. Uh, so Halo Infinite people will certainly talk 
probably talk about in 10 years, depending on like how the roadmap goes and whatnot, because there's lots of development to be done on that game. And as far as Horizon Forbidden West goes, I hope it's talked about in 10 years as the point where the series almost went wrong, but then they got it right. Um, it's a good game, but the problem is, um, like the first game in the series, it sticks too closely to a bunch of old open-world mechanics that are kind of passe at this point, and have been since Breath of the Wild came out like the same month as the first Horizon. Um, and, you know, I, I don't even know if these games even need to be open-world, because it's the story is, has really been the story and the world have been the biggest strong point. Um, but what really got me with Forbidden West is they put out a lot of trailers that clearly were meant to evoke Breath of the Wild. So when I fired it up and felt like I was playing a game from five years ago, that's not like, that's not a good look at all. <laughs> Okay. And maybe it gets a lot better later in the game. I, I I don't know. I'll find out eventually. But the beginning sections of Forbidden West are not good. <laughs> like opening with like a Tomb Raider Uncharted-ish opening section and then going through some boring story that could have been like just like an an opening prologue video like there was no reason for any of it to be playable and to bore bore everyone half to death it's it it's not great and it it really pisses me off considering like the promise of the first horizon which like i said was stuck in a lot of dated open world mechanics but it created it created this really cool like sci-fi world and built a cool story and had really good combat and you know uh the sequel seems to be not taking that any further like to the point that it doesn't even seem to learn any lessons from what didn't work in the combat in the first game and doesn't fix any of it and it's incredibly frustrating. Uh, especially from like a giant budget title like that. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, I don't know what happened. Or if they were just like, well, that worked. Let's make more of that. I have no idea. But uh, yeah, that game that game be frustrating. Yeah. I think it follows a similar pattern to other exclusive titles for the new consoles, which is that they're really just playing it safe to me, you know? Yeah. Like Forza Horizon 5 is, like, identical to 4 in almost every way, you know? Um, I mean, I could see I mean, that, course, but then there's... Yeah. You have Returnal... <laughs> On yeah, that same that is true. console, which is not Returnal was safe. in, it was in 
interesting game that I ultimately gave up on because I it just was too hard for me. Yeah, that's fine, but at least it's like at least it's being trying something different and less very much less safe. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. I, I would I would hope that people were will be talking about both games in ten years, but um, I don't. Well, have as far as I'm hopes. aware, um, Forbidden West, I think they're already working on a sequel, and I think there's a VR spinoff mm. in the works. Yeah, yeah, they so, showed up. Um, I mean, for me, Halo Infinite is is the only Halo game where I really had a positive experience playing online and even then it was limited um so i don't really see people talking about that too much 10 years from now because i expect there to be probably two more halo games in that time but we'll see i mean that's that's kind of the thing is that the more there are like that like a specific game the less it's of note to talk about them yeah like you'll get uh for example, people talk plenty about Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. They aren't exactly talking about Call of Duty Advanced Warfare or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Or Vanguard or Ghosts. Like, it's just one of those things. Like, who gives a shit? There's like a million of these. Why would we talk about this mm-hmm. one in specific? And, you know, that, that's kind of the uh, issue I've had with... Uh, Sony's uh, output the past generation is that it's very it's full of what I would describe as fairly passe uh, crowd pleaser themes that don't really have that make it feel oddly identityless and so it's like I think people will talk about Horizon ambiently but I don't think anyone will be strictly talking about Horizon 2 It'll just yeah. be like discussions about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a fair point. But yeah, like to to be something that people keep talking about, you got to be something different. Uh, so you know, something that they can't get even from other parts of your own franchise, which is why you'll get, you know, people talking about Majora's Mask until the end of time because. Even other Zelda games don't play like that. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Horizon needs to needs to Breath of the Wild a bit because I think that world would be pretty awesome with that. Like, oh, there's a giant dinosaur. Let me climb on top of that. Or giant metal dinosaur, I mean. Or let me go climb through a bunch of old ruins from, you know, old society. There's it's it's would be extremely cool and just yeah, it's just not what the game is yet. It, it needs it needs to carve out yeah. more a more distinct identity yeah. and like the environment is a, is a potential key to doing that. Right. But, you know, I. For example, I don't think there's going to be a lot of people talking about Days Gone in 10 years. Yeah, I know. But, like, yeah. No, there's, there's no one talking about it now. Yeah, there was barely anyone talking about it when it was new, even though it sold like 4 million copies. Yeah. 
but like did yeah it's so so crazy good but yeah horizon has like a it has a visual identity but i don't really think and like story and world identity i don't really think it has a gameplay identity quite yet no like it's got the good combat but they haven't quite gotten it totally right yet and more than just being like a game where you shoot a bow a lot and how you explore the world it's kind of like a mishmash of ideas that don't totally work together so yeah now we'll we'll see how it goes in the future but yeah yeah um but yeah, you know, uh, in, in general, like raw, like raw, the kinds of quality that gets review scores is not the, it's not a one-to-one uh, guarantee of future notoriety. And in fact, many ways, in many ways, things that do not have the kinds of things that get review scores often resonate with people, which is why. Uh, I still routinely talk about games like Killer7 or Deadly Premonition, games that had often quite venomous critical responses when they were new, but which, you know, nothing else like them. Yeah. They resonate with someone. And that's that's another thing of like, you know, uh, art for everyone is in a lot of ways often art for no one. <laughs> and... So it's very hard for uh, something that is trying to appeal to everyone to penetrate deeply and completely into the psyche of someone such that it becomes their whole world uh, to the degree that they, you know, think about it separate from, say, you know, something like Fortnite or Minecraft will be a child's whole world and they will think about it. You know, those, those games will be discussed plenty in 10 years, whether they're still active or not, although I suspect both will be. Yeah. But uh, that's as much because they were uh, essentially social settings as much as the games that they are. And that, that gets into, like, a weirder thing. But, you know, they become your whole world because that's your social circle. Like, that's what you do with them. And uh, that's a very different thing than, like, uh, raw artistic fandom, I suppose, would be how I'd describe it, which is a a different kind. When when something as an individual work connects with you in the way that art uh, is, is, you know, considered important for doing. Uh, Like... That, that's that's the kind of thing that causes you to discuss and ruminate over something's merits for years and years after it comes out. For years and years after it's left to the zeitgeist, you don't have friends playing it anymore, but you're still talking about it. You're still thinking about it. Like that's a very different kind of thing. Uh, cool. How many? Let's see. How many people love Sonic 2 because of the sense of speed, and how many for everything else? Uh, it's, it's hard I to just, divorce. I just like it for 
everything. It's a good platformer. <laughs> I mean, care less about the I mean, it is very, part. It, it is very hard to divorce Sonic 2 from its sense of speed, not the least of which because most of the other design decisions were made to service that. Like, I think Sonic yeah. 2 was a near-perfect game for its time period, and it even it's even better than some of the modern platformers I've played. That's just what I think. But... I like it a lot. I'd call it like an 8.5 out of 10. Um, yeah, I could agree with that. But yeah, it's, you know, it'll never be my favorite, but it's one that I played a lot as a kid and I like a lot. But, I like uh, Sonic and Knuckles better. Just Sonic and Knuckles by itself? Yep. Uh, but yeah, uh, what I was going to say about it was uh, I, I think that it's hard to divorce like its sense of speed because uh, from the other design decisions because they were not made in isolation. Everything else is made to service that sense of speed up to and including the things that are designed to take it away from you. Right. Uh, this was not this was not like Sonic One where avowedly the design was that there were some levels that were for going past him, like uh, Green Hill and Starlight Zone. And there were some levels for, uh, you know, slow-paced platforming, like Labyrinth Zone. Like, those were, in the design discussions for that game, like, they were very specifically tailored that way. And one of the reasons Sonic 2 is beloved is that it doesn't have a complete divorce of design uh, in terms of how some levels are designed versus others. It is a more holistic design that uh, focuses more on, you know, there's always a way to go fast. It gets harder, but it's always there. And like, those level design decisions are for that. Uh, certainly, with anything uh, Sonic-related, you have to also bear in mind the uh, ambiance of the Sonic as a mascot and you know that Sonic 2 certainly contributed to that because you know that was a very successful game that a lot of people played uh, but you know I think it sold like, a lot of consoles too oh yeah 100% although it was never a pack in the way Sonic 1 was uh, or at least if it was a pack in at some point it was not a pack in nearly as long as Sonic 1 was um but yeah, in general, uh, it, it's always hard to unpack how much anyone, any of these Sonic audience likes Sonic, uh, any given Sonic game for its merits, as opposed to ambient Sonic fandom, even more so than other franchises that have an almost like cult of personality adoration because Sonic is so much built to latch on to this is what the kids think are cool is why when you look at American depictions of Sonic from the 90s, for some reason all of his quibbles are set up to look like a mohawk, because that's what kids think is cool in 1993. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the sense of speed is a huge part of it, because, you know, uh, the, the kids who are lured in by the promise of a fun platforming game definitely like, that was the thing that set it apart from the other bazillion uh, platforming games at the time. It was, it was fast. <laughs> or at Gotta least had fast. the potential to be. Gotta go fast. Gotta go faster. Faster. Nope. Faster. 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 
I found myself getting. Um, what? <laughs> I got very frustrated with Sonic CD and the level design because, okay, you ha you have to go fast to go future or past, but then, I don't know. I never liked the level design in that game because I didn't play it until I was an adult. But it's like just springs in weird places. There's a lot of levels just seem like they're haphazardly thrown together and you're not really given the opportunity to fully explore those alternate versions of the levels in the past and future era because it's like, I don't know, sometimes you just can't get the speed you need when you need it, you know? I, I would contend yeah. that, they're, that they're very carefully thrown together, but oftentimes they're designed to frustrate. That's okay. A strange choice, but it is a choice that they that it is a choice consciously made because there are a lot of places where it's like this looks like a good runway to move from past to present or present to future or back and forth, uh, but which uh, have some sort of trick to them to make it harder to do that. And like they consider okay. that to be a desirable outcome for whatever reason. But you know, it's it's very much a can you gel with this design philosophy? And I think that. Over over the course of years, it's become clear some people really like it and some people despise it. <laughs> I despise it. So I to like me, it. it's like I I still see Sonic Two, Sonic Three, Sonic and Knuckles as just the absolute high point of the series because, mm -hmm. like you said, Sonic One, yeah, had some great ideas, but it was still it was new. You know, it it didn't. I they I think that sure Sonic was, Two was. Yeah. Right, because it was kind of, it was a platformer, but it was also kind of pinball. It was, you know, and then so Sonic 2 just kind of cranked it up a notch with two characters and just, I thought it had just better graphics, better level design, more levels. And then Sonic 3 and Knuckles was, okay, now there's another person to play as and even better graphics. So I, I just feel like the sequels to Sonic really upped that. But then to me, Sonic CD always felt like just a kind of a gimmick. Like, we, we need our mascot character on our disc-based system, you know? CD um, makes a lot more sense when you realize that it's a different take on Sonic 2 as developed by the people who had not uh, left the initial Sonic team to form Sega Technical Institute along with a bunch of American developers. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then you get to... Um, of course, then this... Oh, I remember the um, all the coverage for Sonic Extreme, and then it ultimately got canceled. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure some of that got recycled into Sonic Adventure, but I do remember going to Toys R Us really, no. when, when the Dreamcast <laughs> was new and playing Sonic Adventure and just thinking, this isn't even letting me play. Like, there's this real right in the first level, there's this awesome automated sequence where there's the giant orca jumping over the track and i'm like okay but i'm not you know when i played sonic adventure i didn't feel a sense of agency i didn't feel like i was really fully in control of the action and so um there's more of it than you think but you have to learn too yeah what i was gonna say was uh sonic cd as you know it was it started its development essentially uh, at the same time as Sonic 2. It was... Because mm -hmm. uh, Yuji Naka took some of Sonic Team and, like, quit and went over, and then was lured over back to Sega, but only as part of Sega Technical Institute in America. And they made their Sonic 2. And then Naoto Oshima and his uh, crew of remaining Sonic Team members made 
Sonic CD, which was his Sonic 2. And mm -hmm. from that perspective, Sonic CD is a different attempt to bridge the gap between the different level, level design philosophies of Sonic the Hedgehog 1, that Sonic 2 is also trying to bridge the gap. They came to very different solutions. And okay. that makes Sonic CD a, a more interesting game, even if you don't like it. Uh, sure. Uh, let's see. I think we're starting to wind down. So let's hit one more question. Uh, when it comes to multiple endings in non-RPG games, should they just have two or three endings? Did Shadow the Hedgehog overdo it? Yes, it did, but that's mostly because you have to play the entire goddamn game ten times, even if the only difference is the decision you make in the last minute. Terrible. It only has five final stages, but it has ten endings, and you cannot just replay the stage. You have to play through the game from the beginning to get a new ending. Wait, what game are we talking about? Shadow of the Hedgehog. Oh, I, I didn't even play that one. Okay. Yeah, it has. That would be the correct endings. choice. <laughs> yeah, correct. It has ten endings, and in order to get an ending, you have to play through the game. Uh, through the game, and it's like twenty stages, but you only play like six of them in any given playthrough. But it only has five final stages. Uh, and what ending you get is determined in part by what final stage you get to, and what the uh, what the last choice that you make is. But that means that because of the structure that you can't just replay a stage and pick the other one to get its ending, you end up with this shitty thing where to get a sec to get five of the game's endings, you essentially just have to replay the entire game. Just to get, just to make one decision differently at the very end, and of course, the game requires that you, uh, the game requires you to finish all ten endings in order to get its real final level. That sounds awful. It's horrendous. There's also some other really horrible shit in there about just in terms of how it's conceived and laid out. Uh, my personal favorite being that uh nope i just checked it <laughs> of course you did um i just yeah, checked it like 10 uh, minutes ago yeah. <laughs> and i didn't say anything but yeah like shadow the hedgehog's like entire uh game design is ill-conceived but my favorite thing about it is that because of the way that the route and morality systems interact the cutscenes that start each level cannot have any sort of assumption about where you were last level. Mm. And so there is essentially no way to arrange them in, in an order that is coherent. Like, they will always, always, like, just be complete nonsense that doesn't really connect to what happened before. Because they can't, because they don't know what happened before. It's a disaster on basically every level. <sighs> but yeah, uh, I think that burns me out of things to say. Shadow <laughs> the Hedgehog sucks.
It's extremely bad. Uh, let's start I, closing. I up. didn't even play it. Again, I smart choice. Uh, I played it on stream one time. Uh, yeah, There's a video of it on YouTube. We should do more events than platforming. <laughs> I thought all your YouTube videos were Fortnite or um, Natural Doctrine. No. Man, imagine if they made natural. Oh, by, by the way, your your natural so. natural doctrine videos all have like thousands of views now. What? Yeah. Uh, Wheels is a YouTube star now, baby. Uh, have you ch have you checked on your YouTube videos lately? Your natural doctrine ones have quite a few views. Yeah. Apparently, uh, you're you're like the only person who posts videos of that game. Oh no, I'm absolutely the only person who gave a shit about the game. I mean, that's that's what how it accrues. I had a friend who did like a video of Metal Wolf Chaos back when that was like when no one fucking played that they just heard about it and so it like got linked to news stories and shit so it's just like well this is the first thing that shows up on YouTube when you start looking for Metal Wolf Chaos footage can't remember if I have any uh, natural doctrine videos of me wrecking people in the multiplayer I hope that's I all multi you're just getting your I didn't know that game had multiplayer it did and I and I had it early refer for review, so I already knew like how to bend the game Didn't you over play my a bunch knee. Of that for a trophy. Yeah, I got the platinum. Well, I mean, a bunch of the multiplayer for a trophy. Oh yes, yeah, I had to, and I obviously since I wanted to do that, I had to do it like right away before the, uh, for the online community vanished. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh -huh. So we want to head to close out? Yeah, let's close it up. Sure. Okay. Well, Gaijin's not here, but since he, he's not, I'll do a quick plug and say that you should read uh, his uh, series of stories, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor. It's available on Amazon via Kindle or Kindle Unlimited. Uh, if you enjoy uh, reading about people's tabletop games, which, knowing the internet, I can assure you, there's a lot of people that seem to enjoy that. You can maybe give it a look. It'll have a bit more narrative structure and, you know, be a little more charming and full of less people who are likely less likely to shout racial slurs at some point. So, you know, probably better use your time. But, yeah, uh, those are available on Amazon in paperback form or on Kindle or Kindle Unlimited. And you can find them by searching for Michael Yadimizu, Y-A-R-I-M-I-Z-U. Let's see, um, Joe, you got any any plugs? Yeah. Um, now I didn't uh, do any streaming last week because my arm was hurting. Um, but I uh, I don't know. Maybe I I may or may not be doing it tomorrow. May or may not be doing it Saturday. I I honestly don't know. Um, but. It is Smoking Joe eighty six on Twitch, spelled funny with S M zero K one N J zero E eight six, and I'm currently thinking about changing it, but everything I thought of changing it to was not available, so <laughs> we'll see. Joey uh, Jojo Shabadoo isn't available. Oh, that's no. definitely <laughs> Yeah, I think I tried to do Joey Jojo's. Bizarre gaming adventures or something. I don't think. I think that was too long. Um, 
Joey Hates Everything, it told me, was unavailable. But it didn't tell me that someone else had it. It just said I, I couldn't have it. Maybe because of the word hates is in the middle. I don't know. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. I may or may not change the name at some point. but um, And I may or may not be streaming this week. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, and we also got an announcement. I do, yes. Uh, so we've been doing a show on Sunday nights on the Airbnb Twitch channel called Sunday Night Shenanigans, which we've all enjoyed doing. But I feel like the least interesting part of doing Sunday Night Shenanigans has been the B playing an RPG part of it, <laughs> like yeah. pretty consistently. So I've made the decision that that show is going to be leaving the RP Gamer channel and we're just going to do it on my Twitch channel playing whatever the hell we want. So uh, nice. I can bully wheels into playing Street Fighter without feeling guilty. Yes. So Sunday Night Shenanigans will still be around every Sunday on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash askwheels with a lot more fighting games and whatnot and probably some turtles this week. Yeah, and depending on how good it, it might be multiple weeks of turtles, honestly, because it's getting like rave reviews. Yeah. So, so we need uh, three more people if we want to do that six-player online, right? Yeah. Oh my God, that's a lot of people. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that our internet connections will uh, survive it, but we can try. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Sunday yeah. Night Shenanigans at it's, 9 p.m. Pacific. Yeah. I just want to make uh, that clear that that's, that's not a slight against like the people that watch RP Gamer Twitch or We're just bad RP Gamer in RPGs general. Yeah, it, it, it was just like organically how that show went. Um, it was just like a bunch of us hanging out doing talking and like the fighting games when we switched over to fighting games seemed to be when we got the most engagement anyway. So, uh, you know, it's, it's just a betting feature. Then it'll be hell. Yeah. When we used to play street fighter five every week, that was fun. And then I actually got good at the game for a while, Yeah, (laughs) but then we didn't play for a long time. And then the next time we played, I was so salty because I'm just like, I can't play this anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can't start playing Street Fighter Five and completely fucking wash you. Yeah. Uh, but so, I, well, as a matter of as was, a matter of fact, when Wheels was, was playing Street Fighter, I was 4, just gonna sorry. say I'm probably still gonna do some uh, Victor Vrenigans till that's done. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. that could be fun. Yeah. But yeah, the show will be on my channel from this week on okay no i was just gonna say when you were playing street fighter 4 earlier yeah i just i just i jumped right into street fighter 5 real quick and did the arcade mode the street fighter 4 path as jewelry and that was fun and i don't get too much input lag streaming to my chromebook so that's something we can maybe play again and maybe Mm -hmm. i'll be good we'll see it's nice to want things. I don't <laughs> think any of us will ever be good. Um, no. Yeah. And I don't know, I can just turn that into this countdown to Street Fighter 6 show. Um, but, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that'll be on still 
it'll be on twitch.tv slash askwheels, but it will be on at the uh, same time, which is to say 9 p.m. Pacific and yeah. 9 Eastern and on yes, Sundays. That does mean there will be longer fighting game streams now. Finally. Instead of like, oh, let's play it. from 1 a.m. till... 1.30. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and as for the rest of you, uh, Q&A quests ain't going anywhere. So yeah. yeah, you can still send us questions like dear friend Fireminer did. Uh, thank you again to Fireminer for those questions. Uh, but yeah, you can send us questions via the Discord by going to rpgame.com and clicking the community tab to get Discord invite. Or you can join that, even if Wales is having a breakdown. In, uh, no, it's fine. Everything's um, fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, you can you can you can send us questions via the Discord. By you can join the Discord by going to rpgamer.com, clicking the community tab, and clicking on the Discord invite link. You should join that community, even if you don't intend to ask us questions, because it's a lovely community with a lot of different uh, discussions to be had at all given hours of the day and night. Um, you can also ask us questions in the comments section of this very episode. I have not checked the past few weeks, but also we also had not put up the... Well, I, I should say I have not checked this week, the past few weeks' yeah. episodes, but typically that's what I do, and that's yeah. partly because we also did not put up last week's yeah, episode. Last yeah. week's is tardy because everyone was sick. So. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. But so. yeah. Um, so questions about Resident Evil and Sonic are very welcome. <laughs> One of those. That's, is what, true. that's what gets that's what gets the Joe audience. Um, yep. But yeah, uh, you can ask us questions there, or you can presumably tweet, tweet them at Wheels. Yes. I don't recommend doing that, but you can. Yeah. And Wheels is on Twitter. Yes. Wow. Ouch. But yeah, you can also you can also send uh, you can also ask us questions via the. Uh, Twitch chat, uh, which is always up at Ask Wheels, and usually up at RP Gamer, unless there's someone else with streaming that isn't to be interrupted. But uh, yeah, and that's we record uh, Wednesdays, midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific. So no, come give us a give us an holler. Yeah, and uh, with that, see you, Space Cowboys. See ya. See ya.